2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to this jam-packed week 12 edition of a good football show. I'm your host, Pat Darty, joined by John Daigle, Kyle Dvorczyk, and Patrick Crane, where we're going to break down all of this week's non-Thanksgiving games. That includes the Titans at the Patriots, the Rams at the Packers, and so much more. I think we'll be graced with Crane's stat of the week. We didn't actually talk about this before the show, but he usually has like five of them. And we're going to try to dive into every fantasy-relevant player. You know, the folks are used to us bantering off the top of the show, but Denny kind of already made sure to ruin Thanksgiving on the first two editions of this week's A Good Football Shows. So we're just going to dive right into the games. And we're going to begin in Cincinnati where point bet has the Steelers arriving as four-and-a-half-point underdogs after their narrow loss to the Chargers. It wasn't a victory, but Ben Roethlisberger and Chase Claypool both had their biggest games in months. Corrine, has anything changed in this Steelers passing attack?
0: No, I I don't think it has. Uh, Roethlisberger was 18th on the week in EPA per play. That's an efficiency metric. He, you know, kind of mediocre as usual. He was 25th in completion percentage over expected. So he was actually kind of inaccurate and mediocre. Uh, He just got pushed, had 44 pass attempts. The only time he's thrown more, though, was against Cincinnati in week three. So. We could get volume again here, which is really the only way for Spike Weeks from Roethlisberger at this point. I'm not I'm not going to bet on him to be efficient.
3: And they were only pushed because they were down 27-10 in the fourth quarter. Like They did not right. want to get pushed or be in that situation. So it really comes down, as you said, to what the Bengals do on the other side of the ball.
0: Yeah, and I was just going to say, you mentioned Claypool. I, I think Johnson is really the guy here, if, if they do get pushed this week, that we should be still viewing as the clear number one wide receiver. I didn't flag any status stat of the week, but this could be it. Claypool trails Johnson in air yard share, thirty-five mm-hmm. percent to thirty-eight percent, despite the fact that Johnson has an A dot that's two yards more shallow than Claypool. So that just goes to the target volume that Johnson sees. He's able to still beat him in air yard share despite being an underneath option.
2: It's a disgusting stat. I we don't I don't sanction that as the stat of the week, <laughs> something being <laughs> I'll try that again. troubling. <laughs> How could Deontay Johnson have a higher area percentage than Chase Claypool? That's just, that's just messed up. Pat Fryermuth was the other guy uh, popping off in the Steelers' offense, has been for quite a while. At least seven targets in four of his past five games. Eric Ebron is injured and out for week 12 again. Uh, Dagle, we'll start with you. Fryermuth is the tight end what going for? I mean, he's a tight end one. I think we've probably accepted at this point. Is he a top eight? top six, top 10, where, where do you think Pat Fryermuth should typically reside in our tight end rankings? I'll usually pin him anywhere
3: from eight to 10 or 11. We've seen that even with Claypool and Ebron available, he was still getting targets this past week, for example, seven, but now we know that since week six and we use week six, as our reference, because that's when Juju Smith-Schuster was injured and the team up their rate of 12 personnel, multi-tight end sets. Friermuth, alongside Ebron since then, was running around on just 54% of Pittsburgh's dropbacks, but in two games without Ebron in that span, did see increased rates of 71% routes in their dropbacks and a 20% target share. So we expect Friermuth's usage to be in the elite ranges for the rest
2: of the year. Now that Ebron sounds like he's going to undergo season ending knee surgery. I had not heard it was going to be season ending. Yeah. And like you said, it was for a while. It had been, if Ebron was healthy, Fryermuth just wasn't getting quite enough volume that had already changed. And yeah, now the runway is totally clear for mm-hmm. Pat Fryermuth to, you know, it's still one of those situations you don't like your flexes and you like, say you're someone who actually already had a tight end one. I mean, you can even start flexing Pat Fryermuth because the targets floor is high and the touchdown odds are good.
0: I, I think the one thing though is just keep in mind he has a pretty low eight out of six point one, so he's he needs he gets targeted around the the end zone, so there is some touchdown equity, but it's not like he's going to be hitting you with big plays.
4: To me, yeah, he's a little more Dan Arnold Logan Thomas than he is like Dawson Knox Dalton Schultz. Like there's probably a tear drop off in the tight end, I'm going to say four to seven or eight range. Then he comes just because he's averaging 5.9 yards per target. It doesn't like his yards per route runner good either. He's actually in the bottom half of the nearly 30, uh, tight ends who have at least 30 targets in yards per route run. So he's not super efficient. I don't think we project the offense to be that good, but at least they use him in a good way. But those are the arguments we make for Logan Thomas, for Dan Arnold. And those are also tight end ones. He is definitely in the tight end one category, but I do feel like four touchdowns over his previous four games with how much we dog on Ben Roethlisberger that, I mean, it's obviously unsustainable a touchdown a game.
2: I have to say it's too early in the show to mention Dan Arnold. We haven't really properly <laughs> begun the healing yet. Uh, we're going to try to get to Dan Arnold in a minute. On the other side of this ball for the Bengals, Joe Burrow bookended the Bengals' by with one touchdown in two games. Uh, not playing very well. The Steelers' pass defense is very banged up right now. We don't quite know who's going to be out there for the Steelers on Sunday. We do know that Justin Herbert just tore them apart. Uh, who's got a Joe Burrow take? Like, Is this is he more the quarterback we've seen in the past two weeks, or is he more the guy who is really establishing himself as like a top 10, 11 quarterback? For this recent Bengals offensive slump, the part of the slump, by the way, was a huge, easy win over the Raiders last week. So who's got a Joe Burrow take for me?
0: He's played very efficiently this season. What we've seen is that the volume has has come back down to earth over the last few weeks. They went um, run heavy in week 10, and then they went run heavy in week 11. Pretty predictable that they went run heavy in week 11, though, because the Raiders are a clear run funnel. You're now looking at a Steelers defense that's like a little bit like Washington's defense where they're not that great in coverage, they were pretty good at getting pressure, but you know, they're clearly missing TJ Watt a lot and I think that you could look at Burrow having volume again. They could go back to where they were a few weeks ago and start throwing at a pretty high rate. I think that would make sense. Pittsburgh has been a little bit of a run funnel, so it's, you know, there's kind of a risk reward here with going with Burrow. Um, where we could see the Bengals go run heavy again like they have the last couple of weeks. but the upside is that they just get back to the early se- or the mid-season stuff where they were passing at a high rate.
3: Mixon's 30 carries were his most since 2019. Uh, I think it depends on the Steelers injury report, honestly, because this isn't a team that's going to threaten the Bengals at all. If TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, Joe Hayden, and Isaiah Loudermilk are all out again. Those are their best players on defense. So they just won't threaten the Bengals offense. And Joe Mixon will just be allowed to run again all over them. So
2: we're just watching to see who the Steelers even have available to compete in this game. It's a big one to watch the injury report. The Colts host the Bucks as two and a half point home favorites. Indy is fresh off demolishing former AFC favorite Buffalo. Kyle Streamers have not been getting home of late against the Bucks' undermanned secondary, but will things be different with Carson Wentz? So, say what you will about Carson Wentz, he likes to take shots at the back end of your secondary. Uh, can Carson Wentz get home, or is it not even any point? Is this even against the Bucks' elite run defense. Bucks still allowing the fewest rushing yards in the league. Is it all just Jonathan Taylor?
4: I don't know if it's all just Jonathan Taylor. I will give Reich enough credit to say that he probably understands where the weaknesses of the Bucks fall, and that would obviously be not trying to run the football on them. I don't think that means like you're not playing Jonathan Taylor. I don't even think it means you drop him below the top two running backs. I just think if there were a week to be slightly more balanced in favor of the pass in this case, it would be this week. And I mean, surprisingly, we didn't see the Bills actually compete with them in any meaningful way. It would be surprising, although many surprising things have happened. Just look at the Bills, not losing to the Colts, but losing to the Jaguars. Many surprising things have happened. I would be surprised if Tampa Bay, who are, I believe, two-and-a-half-point favorites... On the road in this game, we're not able to go back and forth with the Colts. The game has a 50 plus point total. I think it's like 51, 51 and a half. So it looks like a high scoring environment, even if this is a Colts team that we do project to lean on the run despite the difficult matchup. The high scoring environment at home, a close spread. I think it points to a game where you can definitely stream Carson Wentz. I'd say he's probably one of the more preferred streaming options. Like I've heard on the last show, we tossed out Andy Dalton as a potential streamer. No, Carson Wins. <laughs> mistakes were indeed made you you would obviously take carson wentz over someone like andy Dalton this week
2: would you take him over I, jimmy garoppolo no i yeah i'm not Got sure Got him ranked or. ahead of jimmy garoppolo right now so let's try to workshop this i gotta post this article later today actually yeah. <laughs> um,
3: i I, th- I think that game is the 49ers vikings we'll get it in a bit i think that's significantly more exciting than this game uh this just seems like the game honestly where the Jonathan Taylor MVP voters get that take shoved down their throats where it's oh. like, here is a book indoors. Oh. And now like, you're going to try to do that similar attack against a Bucks defense that has not leaked at all against the run at any point this year. Like the bills defense doesn't, or the bills in general have a good defense. They don't have a single win on their ledger. You're impressed by whatsoever. And they had been run over by Derrick Henry in the past. So just giving 25 touches to one of the most talented players in the league. That's not like too shocking. You just can't do that against the Bucks at all. And then when you tell me like the game comes down to Carson Wentz beating them, okay, well, you're not going to beat them. I, so it's just I think
0: simple. I think the Bucs pass funnel stuff is is potentially going to get blown up this week cuz they have been a major pass funnel. Every team is attacking them through the air. And but we know the NFL is a copycat league where, you know, mm-hmm. the the book was established on them in week 1. You pass on the Bucks. Every team has followed suit. But they've had a very easy schedule against the run. Half of their opponents, Dolphins, Falcons, Giants, Rams, Washington, rank bottom 11 in EPA per rush. They face just two top 10 rushing offenses, the Eagles and the Patriots. So if the Colts just do what they do, I think this whole narrative that you can't run on the Bucs could evaporate very quickly. Now, I am worried, like you're saying, Daigle, they could push them off script because the Colts play slow. Mm-hmm. and the Buccaneers put up points so they could push them to where you have to rely on Carson Wentz. But I don't think in a back-and-forth game that Taylor's not going to have room to run. I think he can more than run on the Buccaneers' defense.
2: Daigle, to the other side of a, the Jonathan Taylor MVP narrative, I mean, what if what's the, the nightmare scenario? What if he gets 150, 160 yards against the Bucks? Then that MVP train, I mean – we're, we're going to have trouble stopping it. Uh, the analytics people. I was going to say this is
4: this is not uh, this is like you're talking about like one of the league's truly one of the league's best running backs, one of the most special running backs. But all of us being the analytically inclined forward-thinking, uh, you know, football minds, if you want to, we do have brains, football minds that we are, are all just, like, dreading the Jonathan Taylor MVP talk, despite the fact he's incredible. There is just no doubt about it. But right. the discourse will not be pleasurable.
2: No, it will not be at all. Hey, at yes. least it's
0: not Tom Brady. I, I, let's go. Let's go. Run the ball here, Colts. That's <laughs> yeah, true. You
2: know what? Just give him the MVP. Who cares? Uh, he's carrying a number of my fantasy teams where I didn't even really want him. I had <laughs> bought into the summer fear over Quentin Nelson's injury. And uh, yeah, now he's making me a champion. Um, On not much to talk about in the Colts' passing game, so it's not gonna do that. Unless someone wants to No, play uh,
4: Michael Pittman and forget about the rest of them. Move on. Mm-hmm.
2: Seems fair. It's,
3: uh it's it's literally that the offense has come down to just Jonathan Taylor. And uh when I speak about that, by the way, it's not just because I'm angry about the Jonathan Taylor MVP votes. The team isn't even in the playoff picture right now. Like if you cannot be in the playoffs with Jonathan Taylor, you cannot be in the playoffs without Jonathan Taylor too. Just <laughs> fine. Why would we ever give an MVP? Um having said that, that's more just about bucks minus two and a half. It went to three. But if you can still get it under three, that's an awesome bet. Just so easy to make. Um, I thought that was also, a strange we,
4: line for such a good team versus the
3: Colts. And then the uh, the Bucks the offense in general, we saw last week. We probably get Antonio Brown back this game. Well, I mean, he's not practicing Wednesday,
2: so That's we, we just don't yeah. know. We just don't know. And we were told we probably get him back last week, too. So yeah. I guess we are touch and go right now. So what is the state of the Bucks offense as all I was going to ask. Mike Evans banged up with a back injury. Seems like he's going to play. Chris mm-hmm. Godwin's stat line's not quite as explosive since his foot first bothered him. Gronk immediately came back and had a tight end one game last week. Uh, any takes, any trends we're spotting here in this Bucks passing attack?
4: To me, it's kind of as uninteresting as the Colts, except they pass more often. And, and they're actually good, yeah. And yeah, it, like you said, so instead of having one receiver you play and sometimes they establish it and that guy is not playable, they have two receivers you play all the time and they're never going to establish it. And those two will always be playable, even if they post a dud every now and then. You're just absolutely starting God when you're absolutely starting Mike Evans. And 100%, Gronk looks, I mean, I I think it's pretty safe to say, at a minimum, he is a a great red zone threat. But at his best, he can also like push the field farther than most tight
0: ends do. So you're starting him too. If he was running a a full complement of routes, I mean, I think we'd be talking about him as one of the elite tight ends this year. He's getting targeted at a very high rate. Yeah. Well, Busting those two high safety looks too
3: remember at the beginning of the year through three games uh at the four through four games I said he was a top three or top four tied in the rest of the way and he got injured um I think Monday night was his floor because not only was he benched because it was a blowout but also like he didn't play his full compliment anything like you mentioned Pat did not get his full compliment routes and remember at the beginning of the year he was around 80 percent of snaps he just played 59 percent on Monday night so if this game is like somewhat competitive. Uh,
2: Gronk is out there again as a top three, top four tight end on the year. I would say the only thing holding him back, Dagan, would be that, you know, this was Super Bowl or bus team. It's been the back already. It's been mm-hmm. what else? Uh, the two injuries and the, the ribs, the bust back and the ribs. Really bad. <laughs> and you get to see like snap counts being a way of life until the playoffs come and he's playing 100%. Plus, like, for
0: years, the, the whole thing with Gronk was that he kept, you know, he got had his arm injury. He, he was like wearing all the stuff. Like I, I saving for the playoffs would be my,
3: he, would be my move. I yeah. mean, he he took some big pops on Monday night though and he seemed did. to be totally just fine. Uh but just usage wise, just in being a, a premier talent among this pool, that we continue like putting Tyler Conklin, Dan Arnolds out there who this, are you know, can't hear it. I can't hear it. Who, who are not consistent enough like Gronk. Uh you're still just playing Gronk every single week.
2: Points bet has NFL point differential leader. That was a mouthful. New England getting six and a half points at home versus the suddenly reeling Tennessee Titans. Dagle, we will get to the Patriots in a minute, but the Titans were a complete train wreck in their week 11 loss. I'm double checking my notes here to the uh, Texans, the Houston Texans, the Tennessee Titans lost to. They have severe personnel deficiencies all over their offense. Is anyone other than A.J. Brown usable for the Titans right now, John? I don't know who we get, but since the
3: Titans' bye week is literally next week, I would imagine we don't see A.J. Brown in this game. Um, Julio Jones on IR. Marcus Johnson now out for the year since he's on IR for the second time this year. And then also Jeff Swaim was ruled out with a concussion last week that allowed Anthony Fergster to step in in a blowout and see significant time, uh, a season-high seven targets. But also, Jeff Swain may be back for this game. Either way, though, without Derrick Henry, the past three weeks they've averaged the Titans just 4.4 yards per play. For reference, the Texans are averaging a league low 4.6 yards per play this year. It's just it's what we're seeing happen, honestly, with the Falcons. Like you just don't have talent, so like no one is even threatened by you. They'll just take out your best player and then just let you do whatever else you want to do because you can't do anything else. So I am pretty worried. Uh, If we're betting this game, the only concern would be that the Patriots are probably looking ahead to next week's game against the Bills in primetime. That's a very big one for the division. Otherwise, though, um, the only one, and you can't even trust him, the only one I guess you would go to is Dontrell Hilliard in the backfield. because And that's if if Jeremy McNichols is out. If Jeremy Nichols is in, maybe Hilliard's still the option, but you will, we wouldn't know. It'd be like wish casting yeah. a roll onto him, like we did with Deontay Foreman. You saw how bad that burned people last week. <laughs> so it's just a it's a very questionable situation. Also, why I put Hilliard much lower on the waiver wire, because you also lose him no matter what next week. So it's basically two games, you wouldn't be able to use him. So it's not really like a priority, in my opinion.
0: It's, it's a actually small, a little small... bit worse than I, th- I think Daigle painted because, <laughs> because uh it's not just that the the talent is now lacking. I think the play calling stinks here. Uh, last week yeah. they ran play action on eleven percent of dropbacks. That was the lowest. Well, I don't rate know if you know, they didn't league.
4: have Derrick Henry for that game.
0: So how could yeah. you, How could you possibly exactly? And exactly. I got to I, I
2: got to go on a rant in a minute after this, dude, Pat. Well, they,
0: they they buy into this idea that they can't run play action now, which is how what that's what unlocks Tannehill. They can't do that because they don't have Derrick Henry, even though they absolutely could still do it. You're, you're still faking the run. You, it doesn't matter if you have Derrick Henry back there or not. You just you fake the run. You roll Tannehill out, and that's how he actually has success. He stinks when you don't play action. They didn't play action last week. If they can't get the run game going, they're not going to play action, and they can't get the run game going here most likely. So it's gonna it's gonna
2: be bad. It matters, Pat, because this is the second time I'm going to go on this rant on the podcast. If it's Ryan Tannehill, if you're a defense, just stop respecting the play fake. Blow him up every single time. Do not be afraid. Sell out against every Ryan Tannehill. But play you see kick. what, you what blow happens. Blow him up.
0: When they oh, so don't he can't play action, away with this. when they don't play action, teams are able to do that, and it goes very badly for the That's Titans. True. At least take the chance that they might bite. <laughs> like, you point, have to actually. at
2: least try it. That's actually an amazing point <laughs> but, <laughs> that it um, happens even when they're not playfaking. So you might as yeah. well introduce some uh, deception. Yes. <laughs> Today, AJ
4: Brown didn't practice. It's Wednesday. Uh, AJ Brown hasn't practiced on like on a Wednesday since like he was in high school. I assume because he's always banged up. But like, man, the floor on him just feels so low. Based on if you solely base it on in-game injuries, you can set a clock to AJ Brown taking off the field, visiting the trainer's second drive, in. it just feels so concerning at this point.
3: That and we are, you know, just look at recent examples of Mike Williams and Kyle Pitts. The Patriots will just shut them down. They will bracket him, not allow him to do anything. And then let's see you go to Des Fitzpatrick and Nick Westbrook-Kakai. Let's see how that works out. So just not a, a pretty sight overall.
0: And does whole, it feel like the Patriots have had like the most obvious like guy to take away schedule that they've ever yeah, had this I mean, year?
3: <laughs> dude, you wanna you wanna get into awards pissing me off? Like Mac Jones rookie of the year as well. Like, look at the Patriots schedule. Like they're not, they are not playing anyone. Anyone at all? And oh, they've I,
4: played the Jets seven times this year. It's
0: a <laughs> lot. It, I'm, I'm very much team. enjoying the the Mac Jones should have gone one. Uh, discussion.
2: All I will say about Mac Jones is that good teams <laughs> beat bad teams badly, and they are doing that. And they are he's, a, he's deep, at least a the rookie executing his assignment. Jamar Chase should be the O-Roy, but Mac oh, Jones is at least totally. doing his job. I, I heard that's a big yeah. deal. And he's like Josh Matt, Allen. You know? Mac Jones is very good. Mac
3: Jones has been very good. Uh, it's just. Him being touted as offensive rookie of the year is a product of no one being good and no team being it's, good. That's and just and their schedule and Jamar being, Chase not
4: being
2: a quarterback.
3: Like Kyle like, said, they literally play the Jets yeah. or an analogy of the Jets every single week. And it's
2: Mac Jones who's getting rewarded for that. <laughs> I think it will be Jamar Chase still winning. It though. should He'll be Jamar really Chase. Better be, yeah. yeah. I think it will be. No, we take to the streets if it's not, for sure. Bail us out, Jamar Chase and Mac. Just keep prove the haters wrong, man. I don't know what to say, man. You're just you're an elite player, Mac Jones and Kyle Shanahan is weeping himself to sleep every night. By the way, for getting Um, scared out of making the Mac Jones pick from. That's what happened. Think he was
4: on supposedly he was on vacation when the original mac jones reports came out like he had, he didn't even know about the reports because he was out of i don't know if it was out of the country because at least i think probably off the continental united states so he didn't know about it that's not to say he didn't think about plausible it. plausible deniability sorry that's yeah, also true he could just be lying about that
3: from a matchup perspective, though, um, you can't really trust Mac Jones to stream either since we saw even against the Falcons what the Patriots are doing. They have turned to the Super Bowl Patriots offense and being a run-heavy team with two talented players in their backfield and then just dinking and dunking to move the chains. So even Mac Jones with like 190 and three touchdowns, like that's great, but he, had, he literally has to have three or four touchdowns to be viable as a streamer. And what we saw in their backfield with Damien Harris – And Ramondre
2: Stevenson. Give us a lean. Give us a lean on this because I want I need one for the rankings article.
3: Well, unfortunately, (laughs) I think it got (laughs) worse because uh, Stevenson's 48 percent share of backfield touches was his highest in a game with Damian Harris all year. But also just the fact that they were splitting touches and Brandon Bolden still ran more amounts routes them both as James White. Like it's actually now a true timeshare. Stevenson has earned a true timeshare, which is not good for either because then you sporadically get both involved and just have to hope for the best. So if you do think the Patriots like blow out the Titans more than feasible, then sure. Like just like last week, you can still play Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson as co low end RB twos, RB threes most likely, but like overall one overtaking the other, like that's not feasible right now with this outlook.
0: I don't think it is very feasible because they're both pretty good. You know, right. Harris, they're, they're both doing well in uh, NFL next-gen success rate metric. Uh, Harris has some nice breakaway ability. Uh, Stevenson's awesome in the passing game and an elusive rating. So they're, they're doing good stuff, both of them. It kind of makes sense for this to be a split. I, get Bolden out of there, though. I mean, I know he's reliable and everything, but get him out of there. Make it a two-way split, and then we can be happy. <laughs> I know he's reliable. He does his job, but let's not have that. Pat walks in, like walks that. across we street. There's these
4: construction workers. He's like, where are their big plays? They're reliable. Like if they show up, they do their job. Get him out of here.
2: Is it still reasonable to say maybe Damian Harris is the better touchdown bet and for drawing straws that gives him like this ever-so-slight advantage in the rankings? Because that is probably the way I'm going to lean in the rankings. So Ramondre's had a few fumbles just thinking that Damian will probably still be the preferred option in the red zone, but they kind of don't substitute like that. It's kind of like if they're going hot, they keep someone in the game.
0: I think it's more random than that. Yeah, Yeah, I
4: would would feel so random. Like, I, I guess if you had to say which one is more likely both at perfectly even odds versus each other, I would take Harris. But it feels like there would be like no edge in actually betting that.
2: A reminder for everyone watching and listening this week, NBC Sports is celebrating 100 days to the Winter Paralympics. Make sure to tune in on NBC and Peacock when the games begin March 4th. The falling apart Browns are traveling to Baltimore for Sunday night football with points bet installing the home team Ravens as three and a half point favorites. Degel, it's been a very weird two weeks for Lamar Jackson. What in the world can we expect against the Browns with Lamar? This one is just so hard to
3: talk about on a Wednesday because what can we expect from anyone in this game? Uh, Lamar Jackson, Marquise Brown, fortunately, back at practice. So I would expect to have them on Sunday. But then, like, what's even the game script? What are we pushing back on since... Donovan Peoples-Jones, Jarvis Landry, Anthony Schwartz looking like game-time decisions. Baker Mayfield not practicing, and even if he did practice, he's been one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, um, playing through injury very clearly. So I genuinely just don't know. This was, as everyone recalls, the diarrhea game last year. Um, Do we get that kind of points? Do we get that much fun again? I don't know, because the Browns' defense, the secondary at least, has been susceptible to big plays. But again,
2: what do we get to push back on with the Cleveland?
0: Yeah, and Lamar jumped the gun on the uh, the rematch there.
2: Yeah, he did. He <laughs> got ahead of himself in week eleven, and uh, it was just a
4: warm up. It was like a it was a good uh, good preamble, right? Hey
2: guys, does, does he have any? Does he have access to Pepto Bismol or Tums, um, Lamar Jackson?
4: I was saying, I think he needs kombucha. He Needs to help us, like help establish a good, healthy mm. like gut biome.
3: <laughs> I would I, like to check the temperature of Rashad Bateman with Pat Crane because as the world's favorite uh Rashad Bateman fan. I like to get his opinion and then take it down one little notch. So crane, where are you at right now? On Rashad Bateman <laughs> This is a
0: fun game for me. <laughs> uh, I'm still, I'm still very bullish on Rashad Bateman. I mean, he had a terrible yards per out run is below one last week. Uh You don't like to see that, but you know, he didn't have a starting quarterback out there on extremely short notice. It looked like he he was off the injury report on Friday as you, as you all well know, Daigle. And then he got placed back on, on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So uh, we hate to see that. We hate. We hate to see uh, you know backup quarterbacks for our, our rookie breakout wide receivers. But the thing about Cleveland's defense is that it stinks. They're, they're a bad defense, and they've had an easy schedule. And so I think they're even worse than we think of them as. Uh, they have played Chicago. They played the Steelers. They played the Broncos. They played the Lions. They played the Texans. This is a a, a team that Lamar could expose here. Uh, I'm excited to see Lamar back in action, assuming he's healthy. Wheels up for Bateman. Take me down.
2: <laughs> this sounds like an NFL problem, by the way. Like, every good team like, well, they've only beaten these nine terrible teams. And I feel like there's way too many terrible teams that is like, beat down this year. And so many 10 and 11 points. I mean, they don't
0: rank well in defense as is. And then it's like, and their schedule is, is very easy. Yeah,
2: so with the Ravens, as Dagle said, we don't know their health really. But Lamar is probably going to play. Marquise Brown trending in the right direction. You really like to see... Any level of Wednesday participation is a good thing. For an injured player, but and if they're active, you're playing them. Yeah. Dago, what was the what was the Bateman takedown? Uh, yeah, he never took me down. What do you mean the Bateman takedown?
0: Oh, <laughs> he's like had to take, to take me down a peg because I knew Crane would be. I even went I a little bit higher than actually, I than I actually felt. So he, he was, was actually. I was think we can
4: call him restrained Crane now, though, because that felt very yeah, a reasonable. That was a fair take. take.
3: That was like my yeah. take, where it's like, he while we freaking out about him, Who cares? You okay, know, right now he's just being used as possession receiver with the Ravens. Like that should have been a game where he, as a talent, garnered a high target share and he did not. It was still just Mark Andrews offense. So I don't know. He's to me he's still just like a floor play. It's fine.
2: He's a Rashad Bateman's a floor wide receiver one, but what about these running backs for the Ravens? Uh, that was a joke. Uh. Uh, Latavius Murray back yep. in the fold last week, 10, 12 touches, but Devontae Freeman still, I think 22 touches. Hopefully do we believe this is a two man backfield right now? And do we believe that Devontae Freeman actually has the advantage Or is this Latavius being eased back in after it was actually a fairly long absence? Well, whatever it is, the
3: fact is it's going to be two guys. Like Tyson Williams has been active for all three games since they're by. He doesn't have a single touch. Like they didn't have Marquise Brown. They didn't have... Uh, Lamar Jackson, they still didn't give Tyson Williams a single touch. They just don't care. And so I think it's very clear that it is an improved scenario in that case for Devontae Freeman and Latavius Murray. If I had to guess, it is still Devontae Freeman's backfield for the most part. But as I wrote in the waiver wire column, Latavius Murray is still a 12 to 15 touch floor option since it is just a two-headed committee now, no longer three guys with Le'Veon Bell waived over the weekend.
2: Kyle, what are we expecting to see with this Browns backfield with Kareem Hunt probably returning from his calf injury? It's only Wednesday. We don't know for sure, but Kareem Hunt has said he expects to come back. Signs seem to be pointing that way. Nick, I mean, this is the same thing we've we've always been getting. Nick Chubb's still a top eight running back. Kareem Hunt maybe kind of pushing for a legit RB two valuation with the, the Browns' issues at receiver at no one valuable to funnel these targets to. What's going on with the Browns backfield, you think?
4: Yeah, I think if Kareem Hunt is back and healthy, and they've given him plenty of time, it was a pretty serious injury, but he's had plenty of time to get healthy, and I don't think they would rush him back knowing their deficit of talent. Like, if they lose him, like, who are they going to go to for the entirety of the rest of the season if they rush him back and he gets hurt? So I do think if he's back, he probably plays some facsimile of his normal role and maybe even a heightened version of that role because as I think Diggle pointed out earlier, every single one of their receivers right now, not practicing, just spotted doing nothing on the sidelines. It would be surprising to get all of them. Maybe they get one, maybe they get Peoples-Jones or Landry, but I do think two running back or multi-tight end potentially are going to be like their base sets. We should see at least a, a healthy dose of targets in a game. I expect them to lose. For Kareem Hunt, I think RB2 numbers is probably a safe projection. Really, the only concern is that they do limit his role early because we know Dearns Johnson has been super productive when they've used him. So maybe they split that role in their first game back. But frankly, I think if he's back, he's just is back. They're going to use him as if he's normal Kareem Hunt. I think he's startable, a little riskier than he was before the injury. But yeah, you can play him as at least a flex option.
3: And Pat, you've already, Roto Pat, you've already put out your, you know, running back rankings on Monday night, the other Pat and I talked about Ty Johnson and David Johnson. Like those are signs that you need to start Kareem Hunt. You never were forced <laughs> to talk about these guys instead.
0: Yeah, I, I mentioned Rex Burkhead. You're yeah. starting Kareem Hunt probably.
3: Rex Burkhead <laughs> averaged two yards per carry, and was almost mentioned. twice as
0: much as Johnson.
2: Yeah,
3: David <laughs> Kareem, but David Johnson outscored Burkhead.
2: Thank you very much because targets matter. <laughs> there are maybe thirty startable running backs this week. It's, it's a bad week. And- It's about as bleak as I have ever seen.
5: With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash cash.
0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem.
1: Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one.
2: The NFL season is in full swing, and the NBC Sports Predictor app, powered by PointsBet, has you covered with Sunday Night 7. We're giving you a shot to win $1 million every Sunday night throughout the rest of the regular season. It's free and easy to play, so predict what will happen between the Browns and Ravens for a chance to win. Download today from your app store or visit NBCSports.com slash predictor. Guys, you know, when you play Sunday Night 7, you get asked seven questions, and the last one is who is going to win the game. This Sunday night, who is going to win? Is it the Ravens or the Browns? John Deggle, you go first. You know, I was playing last year behind the scenes and no one told me
3: I can't as a company employee. (laughs) Maybe maybe I shouldn't have said that out loud, actually. Uh, Nonetheless, I am still going to take the the Ravens being the healthier team here. Uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt will have a say in something if they're both available. But just to get Lamar Jackson and Marquise Brown presumably back in this game against a Browns defense that, outside of their front seven is still very highly
2: overrated in the secondary. I will pick the Ravens to win. Yeah, you guys are not allowed to play. Kyle, if you were allowed to play, who would you pick?
4: Yeah, hypothetically, very hypothetically. I haven't. I don't have a phone. I couldn't even if I wanted to. But if I did have a phone and I could play, because I wasn't an NBC employee, I'll take Lamar Jackson over a banged up Baker Mayfield, who, as Daigle said, uh, you watch him play. He doesn't look. He looks terrible right now because of all the injuries. But he's also not the best quarterback. And the way you've been able to beat the Ravens through the air, they're giving up some of the most passing yards in the NFL per game. That's Baker can't take advantage of that. He's
0: completely broken right now. So Lamar Jackson and the Ravens easily.
2: Patrick Rain.
0: Oh, yeah. I I love the point about, you know, the matchup not setting up well for the Browns, being able to even take advantage of the Ravens defense. Uh, Give me Lamar all day.
2: I will say that the Ravens kind of have been playing up and down of their competition this year, kind of like a Steelers special, a tribute to their arch rival. But the Browns just seem too much disarray right now. I mean, Baker Mayfield has about three too many injuries, I think, to pull off this upset. And And I will make
3: it four for four on the Ravens. Just like when the pre-shows all pick the same team, now
2: (laughs) you pick the other way, and that's probably the correct one. You better pick the Browns if you're playing Sunday night seven this week, folks. The Falcons' venture to Jacksonville is somehow one-point favorites via points bet. Atlanta's Week 11 performance, I wrote in scare quotes, against the Patriots was maybe the worst by any team all season. Kyle, if Cordero Patterson does not play, and it does appear that he's probably going to play, Will a single Falcon be startable outside of Kyle Pitts?
4: No, I don't think so. I don't think you want to start a single one. I mean, like, I guess in a PPR league, you can start Russell Gage. But like, if you're starting Russell Gage, your season's probably over. Why even?
2: Who cares? Don't. Or you know, you're just done. a scam artist and you're stacking up those PPR points. I, I don't think he's going to get that. Like he has no ceiling uh, because he's Russell Gage. And even
4: his floor is that the offense is terrible, gets shut out because they're terrible and they can get shut out and you get four catches for 22 yards. Like you can get that from anyone. Like Khalif Raymond will probably put that up on Thursday or whatever. So no, I don't think a single one. I wouldn't even start the running backs despite, you know, Kadre Olsen potentially getting, you know, 10 carries, something like that. He led the team in carries last week. Doesn't matter. They're going to be horribly inefficient running the football. They've been inefficient running the football for like four years now. I wouldn't start a single one of them.
0: Allison, we had a blurb today about how uh, Arthur Smith says he's earned the right for more carries. He, like, looked kind of good. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about David Johnson here, guys. Like, you, you wouldn't put him in the flex over David Johnson? I mean, Quadro Olsen,
2: that's even, like, like David Johnson, two, 2021 David Johnson, still like Barry Sanders, I feel like, compared to Quadro oh, Wow. <laughs> But uh, maybe maybe I'm wrong. I don't. If know.
0: I was if I was in charge of franchise, I'd have Allison over David Johnson on the franchise. <laughs>
4: and Kyler C- Allison looked good, averaging three point eight yards per carry and yeah, zero he, he yards per juice. target,
3: zero yards per catch as well. <laughs> he, had, he had Johnson at one point four yards per carry. <laughs> Well, the bar is low. On. David Johnson and Rex Burkett. We'll get there. We'll get there when we yeah, will get there. We don't need any All extra right. David right. to, Johnson Everyone's rushing to the game of the year. Wait. <laughs> have patience for the excitement to build. Also, those players, as we'll talk about, are matchup based. Now look at this matchup and the one good thing the Jaguars have done. The Jaguars defense has not quit on Irvin Meyer. They're still actually playing really well Uh, to opposing running backs this year. They're still allowing just 3.7 yards per carry. They're stuffing the run. They stuffed Jeff Wilson last week. It literally took Debo Samuel going to play running back to expose them from the backfield. So I think it's a it's a terrible matchup for Falcons running backs. And that's why you would only play Cordero Patterson in that instance if he's available, because he will still see and probably lead the team in targets. And that's how we're going to get
2: value from him. Are we jamming Cordero into the top 20 at running back? Any injury concerns or uh, he seemed fairly close to playing on the short week last week, which honestly mm-hmm. that gave me optimism. And I think I am going to have him in the top 20 at running back. Yes. Yeah. That's perfectly fine with me. Byproduct of the landscape. Yes. Yep. Top 20. I actually looked at my initial rankings and I have RB24. Uh, well, I had him as the RB 24. higher. let's <laughs> cancel you then. <laughs> He's got to go higher. I think I'm going to get him. I think I might get him up to RB 17 behind miles Gaskin. I- I don't person. even think, honestly, uh, Matt Ryan – I'm going to
3: drag my knuckles here a little bit. Like, Matt Ryan, football-wise, was just – like – He didn't play bad. He was pressured on nearly every drop back. It's just like when you're scrambling, running for your life, and you look up and it's just Russell Gage and Tajay Sharp. This is the product right now. What's going on? And now just fewer than 155 yards and 5.6 yards per attempt in three of their last four games without Calvin Ridley. It's just right now it's just an absolute mess. They just need some kind of talent out there.
0: I agree. I mean, I think because of fantasy football and how excited we are about Kyle Pitts, you know, rookie tight end, Getting this like wide receiver one usage, lose sight of the fact a little bit that like from a real-life perspective, it's kind of insane that it's gotten to the point where this rookie tight end is their wide receiver one. That's not good for Matt Ryan. I think he's actually played okay this year.
2: I'm sure that's uh, great for Kyle Pitts too, by the way. Just having sky-high expectations as a rookie won't drag him down whatsoever, haunt him the rest of his career. Uh, Dago alluded to the Jaguars playing very tough defense for really like the better part of a month. Now Mm -hmm. they're not quitting on that side of the ball offense. You know, they're kind of quitting a little bit. Uh, Yep. Not a whole lot going on there. Uh, I mean, someone give a whole spiel, but who would you rather start as a Jaguar? Uh, With Jamal Agnew's on injured reserve. Now would we rather start Marvin Jones or Dan Arnold?
4: Dan Arnold, because you can find tons of Marvin Joneses on the waiver wire. Dan Arnold actually has a pretty robust role normally. We didn't see it last week, but he does normally have a robust see, the role. the healing has begun. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we're, we're detoxing from last week's Dan Arnold, looking back at the Dan Arnolds of previous weeks in which he was playing the bulk of the snaps, seeing a target share equivalent to or greater than LaVisca Chenault weekly. And he does that in a position where you can't normally find that. Marvin Jones, I, I do have some optimism for. I wouldn't have any any problem starting him, but I do think most people can probably find better production marvin jones you, you probably can't find there are no like supreme waiver wire tight ends this week you can't find something better than
2: dan arnold dan just on not, a thursday dan arnold's do not grow on trees <laughs> that grow. is the argument i'm making they just don't does anyone have a marvin jones take i mean without agnew anyone have a visca take uh i mean that does mean, still exists <laughs> visco would be the
3: lowest tanking fruit that'd be where you go because now you know they tried to put et in there they tried to put Carlos Hyde there. They tried to put Jamal Agnew there, and eventually it, it took 12 weeks, but here we are. They have no choice unless they crop up something else and put LeCron Trailbill there. They have to put LaBisca Chenault in the slot, and I don't even know if he'll get peppered with volume. Um, he's averaging three fantasy points in his last six games without DJ Shark, but overall, just the fact that he arguably – not even arguably. He does have a higher floor over Marvin Jones and overall their other receivers – uh, that's where we go, especially after he ran his highest rate of routes from the slot this last week since week four after Jamal Agnew was injured.
0: Yeah. Targeted on 25% of his routes, uh, eight out of one. So that's not great. Uh, I, I think, you know, it's like, you just don't w- really want to be investing in this offense. Uh, right. For the most part, I'm still believing in Dan Arnold a little bit just because uh, of the point. I, I mean, Dan Arnold, frankly, Dan Arnold's grow on trees, but, Offenses that feed the tight end do not grow on trees. And I think that's what we have here. He's still, even with last year's dud or last week's dud, had a uh, 1.65 yards per route run with Jacksonville, which isn't awesome, but it's still like pretty good for a tight end. So, you know, he's the only way I think to play this offense because everything else, you can get similar types of players and then they're in better situations. So,
3: and we've seen Dan Arnold, these receivers struggle because Trevor Lawrence, since the bye in good matchups, too, has been awful. Has completed just 56% of his passes over the last month for a total of one touchdown, one interception, and 4.8 yards per attempt. He's been dreadful. And uh, so we're I don't know if it's a rookie wall. I don't know if it's because he looks around and it's only Lebiska Schnault, and Marvin Jones. I have no idea, but right you're now you're supposed
0: it's, to be good before the rookie wall. <laughs> this
3: <laughs> this this offense is absurdly bad. So that that's the concern here is that everyone is getting
2: dragged down now. I wish you good fortune with the Dan Arnold's to come. The Dolphins welcome the Panthers as one-and-a-half-point home favorites. Miami avoided a week 11 letdown by outlasting the Jets. The Panthers were not so lucky, coming off a post-Cam Newton signing high to lose to the Washington football team. Cam nevertheless finished as a QB5 overall in his first start of 2021. Crane, is Cam actually back in the RB1 mix, or are we getting ahead of ourselves?
0: Little accordion slip there, called him an RB1. Oh, uh oh my goodness. QB1. <laughs> Cam Newton, I, folks. I think uh he's definitely in the mix. You know, he was surprisingly accurate, a very high completion percentage over expected. We've got a small sample on him. He's actually, you know, I, I'm not expecting that to, to stick, but maybe they're designing the offense well around him. Uh, but he was quarterback 28 in expected points out of per play, not all that efficient. And then we're looking at the Panthers offense, kind of how they're reacting to, you know, all the quarterback changes. We saw them with a minus 2% pass rate of expected in week 10. That dropped to minus 8% last week. And that I think is a a significant red flag because it reminds you of the way the Patriots played it with Cam Newton, where they went kind of into a shell. They went very run heavy. If we're getting that out of Cam Newton, sure, we're going to have some touchdown upside, but it's going to be a low volume situation where if he doesn't rush for the touchdown you know if he doesn't happen to throw for a couple short touchdowns we're in a lot of trouble
4: my inclination though is that that I mean I can tell you that the the run rate was so high because Cam Newton saw 10 carries and he wasn't even awfully efficient at 4.6 yards per carry typically these Russian quarterbacks are among the league leaders in yards per carry even if he's kind of the slower bruisier style of runner any quarterback who is pretty liable to get 10 carries in a game, to me, is kind of like a lock to be that low-end QB one. I do think, though, the fact that they do want to play exactly as they did, uh, as Cam Newton did, at least with the Patriots, does tell me that you're, you're probably not really achieving a super high ceiling with Newton, but you're rarely getting an incredible performance from a ton of your streamers. You can at least kind of pencil them in for between QB 9 and Fourteen production because his rushing is going to give him such a, a tight distribution, at least on those fantasy points. And you're taking the
2: Patriot style with much, much better weapons than you have with the Patriots. Yes, sorry, John.
3: No, you're, I was just going to say it's, it's literally that simple. You're taking the rushing floor. That's all you're doing
2: with the cam. Did we see any encouraging signs with DJ Moore? It was kind of like the same output that it had been with Sam Darnold. But anything in the the stats to dig into with DJ Moore? Maybe hinting at at least greater stability going forward or just not enough data so far with only one game. This is
0: basically a hundred percent of dropbacks. I like that. (laughs) I don't know. He started on 24% of his routes, 8.68, up, pretty healthy. He didn't have the best yards per target, but you know, overall had pretty solid volume with cam. He had pretty solid volume uh, with PJ Walker as well as yards per target stunk with him. But you know, I don't think it's really, Anything in the stats that point to anything that's changing. He's still pretty steady, still clearly the number one guy, still has a pretty solid target profile.
2: Does anyone have any Dolphins thoughts at all? I mean, Panthers defense had been playing really, running really, really hot before last week, kind of Taylor Heineke. You know, you, you can't count on a good day against Taylor Heineke. Uh, yeah, I don't really know what happened there, but uh, any Dolphins thoughts to a streamable Miles Gaskin, how high? Will Fuller, I don't know. We haven't seen an update on him yet this week. Any Dolphins thoughts? But Will Fuller is not a. Fo- he just doesn't
3: exist. He's not he a football. player. No. he's a creative player that was deleted over the season.
4: Um, <laughs> he he's the he's last very time he played his Bears. last
2: Thanksgiving when he scored like 19 touchdowns uh, and then yeah. just disappeared off the face of the earth.
4: He gives me Berenstain Bear, Bears vibes. We're all like, Will Fuller was real, right? Like we remember Will Fuller. He had that big game. Uh, You know, he had the one week where he went for like 150 yards and three touchdowns mm-hmm. when he was chalk, and then we look it up and he never existed. <laughs> <laughs>
3: You know what it is. It's uh, Jalen Waddle is a high floor option. Mike to a lesser extent, with a higher ceiling. And that's all that Tua goes to, unless we get Devontae Parker back in this game. Parker eligible to return. But as we've seen, that means his... Three week window will be opened up, and then when he returns in that within that twenty one day window, is another question entirely. Also, Zavon Ahmed, healthy scratch, so we figured okay, maybe Duke Johnson worked in as their pass catching back. Nothing to be excited about, but okay, like maybe maybe steals a few targets. Not the case though. Miles Gaskin still twenty six touches and eighty one percent of the team's backfield touches over Patrick Laird and Johnson who combined for six total. So still Miles Gaskin's backfield for however long and for better or worse until Malcolm Brown returns, and then we'll readjust from there. But until then, he is getting elite RB1 usage every single week, despite not being an elite RB1 talent.
4: Yeah, I thought the yeah, gotta... that scratching was surprising, but very telling of how they're going to use him. Like I, I thought mm-hmm. that really put him into, like, borderline cash consideration. He wasn't quite there for me, but, like, knowing that you were going to get 100%, like, like you said, 80-plus percent of a team's backfield touches, is really valuable, even if it'll be it as Miami Dolphins.
0: Yeah, I've got a stat for you on Gaskin. According to PFF's expected points, he's left 31.9 PPR points on the field this year. It feels true. Harris has left more points on the field. So, uh, you know, he's got the workload. Generally want to bet on some regression there, but Miami has a bad offensive line. They really can't run the ball effectively. So I think we're going to see him continue to underperform his workload to some extent, but maybe we get some positive regression on that.
2: Points bet clocks the Eagles as three and a half point road favorites for their visit to MetLife stadium to take on the division rival giants. Philly is suddenly a running game juggernaut. I don't know if you guys noticed this uh, piling up north of 200 yards rushing in three of their past four games. It does appear they'll be without Jordan Howard for week 11. However, Dagle, how high can we get Miles Sanders in the rankings after a pretty solid week 11 return, but also one that included a lost fumble should have included two lost fumbles inside his own 10 yard line. He was ruled, uh, Forward progress was stopped. I don't know if I really agreed with that, but uh, how high can we get, Miles Sanders, the ever volatile Miles Sanders? And upon one of those
3: fumbles, was taken off the field for a handful of their ensuing possessions. Nonetheless, I still expect Sanders to lead this backfield in touches and carries. But with Kenneth Gainwell presumably being active for Jordan Howard. He just doesn't fit the bill of what the Eagles are doing now. Over the last month since Week 8, 123 running back carries to Jalen Hurts' 78 pass attempts, and it's led them to a 3-1 and record. So we know they will continue doing that as they found their identity with a top 5, top 3 offensive line and just using that and telling Jalen Hurts to go deep less often and just be more efficient on, on his throws. So while I think Sanders will still lead the team in carries, I expect Scott to work in more as a... 10 to 12 touch floor option because Kenneth Gainwell like again they're just not going to use him as they used Jordan Howard as an early down guy and Gainwell also with just six touches I believe over the last four week over the last four games um, and there was that Lions game where you have to mix in garbage time but overall we just know they're not going to use him at all so Sanders but Scott is still very live as an RB three option.
4: Yeah, and at halftime, I saw in uh, our last blurb we had, I believe it was Howard's blurb, maybe it was Sanders' blurb, that at halftime, actually, Jordan Howard's out-carrying Miles Sanders 9-8. to I think there's a very clear committee going to be going on, and would it shock me if they split the backfield like, pretty close to 50-50 between Scott, not Kenneth Gainwell, and Miles Sanders? No, it wouldn't. So I do think like Boston Scott now, like completely flex viable because I think he will just slot in to play a very similar role. Jordan Howard, maybe they switch up where they're using him on the field because Howard bigger and he's actually running efficiently, was at least, but I do think it's, Not too far from a 50-50 split.
2: Yeah, there are 30 viable running backs in Boston Scott. I regret to inform is one of them. Not Kenneth Gainwell, by
3: the way. First cousins would never trace Sermon. They will pop up like in the fourth quarter of the year around the winter
2: seasons, but that's about (laughs) it. The Eagles passing attack, by the way, we know the deal. Devontae Smith, a low floor wide receiver, two, three, has the talent for much more. It's the role not there in this office. Dallas Goddard, seemingly only three to four weekly catches, but always 60, 70 yards. So that's the deal with the Eagles passing attack. Corain, the Giants, they've made the switch. Jason Garrett, uh, he's put his head back in the train window. Now he's just riding in shame uh, to his destination. And what are you don't have to answer both these what are realistic expectations for Saquon Barkley post Jason Garrett? And what are realistic expectations for Gadarius Tony, who now is joining kind of like the always injured all stars and has a new mysterious quad issue?
0: I'll take the Barkley one. But first, I just want to give a shout out to uh, Davis Maddock who tweeted out a clip of, of a podcast I did with him in May. In which, without knowing Freddie Kitchens was a offensive assistant already for the Giants, predicted that Freddie Kitchens would be the Giants' OC. He did; <laughs> it, it just felt right.
2: Remarkable and clip.
0: Yeah, sure enough, here we are. So we got the change. I think for Saquon, I mean, we talk about like how that affects him, but I think the biggest thing for him is that we just need him healthy, and he's been working back from multiple injuries uh, this year. So he's only running back twenty-six in expected points per game. You know, he was splitting snaps last week uh, with Devontae Booker. But coming back from an ACL tear, coming back from this ankle sprain, I think that, uh, you know, he will, he should be like a, a solid, you know, high end running back, too, I think, the rest of the way once he gets back up to his full complement of snap. I was getting very excited about him before he sprained his ankle. And basically, you know, he's talented, he's more talented than Booker, and he's going to, at some point, be playing probably. 80% of snaps, 85% of snaps. So I'm still very much in on Saquon Barkley. I've heard some, some dynasty FUD on Saquon Barkley. He's going to be a second round pick next year. Maybe late side. maybe he'll go with Ceh went last, you know, I'm talking redraft. So if you've got a running back, who's going in like the late second round of redraft, you don't, you don't panic
2: on him in dynasty guys. Come on. He's still only 24, which is mind blowing. Saquon Barkley turns 25 in February.
4: I yeah, know. well, Todd Gurley was 24 at some point, too. No, I he's still, he's still
2: 24, Todd Gurley. He's still 24. He's an old 24. Yeah, he is now. still 24, he's 24. 24, yeah. Very old 24. Yeah, I mean, the Giants, Sterling Shepard never practices. He's not um, practicing. Kadarius Tony didn't practice Wednesday. Uh, I think you know a very obvious post-offensive coordinator change is always doubling down on the running game. I feel like Freddie Kitchens will be very heavily established. <laughs> so can anyone read into what to expect of this passing attack, this receiver core? Or are we just, just blindly guessing right now? I mean, Sterling it is Shepard. hard to
4: guess because yeah, Sterling Shepard. He was he's supposed to return this week. That was the projection because he gets the bye last week, so a little two weeks ago now, a little more rest.
3: He practiced on Friday too, um, mm-hmm. so I actually have a little more confidence than Kadarius Tony.
2: What was up with the DNP today, then? What is up with this guy, man? Just, but you, it, he may, would it may even, not be.
3: The guy, it may be also just the way they're handling their team midweek, as we've seen with so many other teams. Uh, totally it
4: was a off. Monday
2: night game too. That's a good point.
4: Shepard yeah. was on the field as well for practice. They listed him as DMP, but he wasn't like absent. He was out there, and you know, the the uh, one of the beat reporters said, like, you know, he's out there. I, I assume he just worked with trainers or something, so they got to call him a DNP. But like, maybe a softer DNP than usual,
3: Maybe. And maybe we'll get uses change, role change for Darius Tony. Uh, I will still, as I've said the last two months, if Shepard's out there, I still expect him to lead in targets over Tony as he's proven every single time in all four games he's been available for the Giants this year that he finished. Shepard has led them in targets with at least a 26% target share in all of them. And then from that point, that's that's kind of it. Um maybe a new OC, Freddie Kitchens, changes Kenny Galladay's role. But that ultimately comes down to the offensive line. As we've said since the offseason, the fact they signed Galladay and then didn't use the extra money to improve Daniel Jones' offensive line since he's such a poor thrower downfield, um, that's where, in my opinion, the issue is. So I still just genuinely don't have any faith in Kenny Galladay.
0: I think that Shepard might help. Kadarius Toney when he gets back because mm-hmm. Kadarius Toney was playing on the outside uh, when he was kind of having those really nice games, which I thought was pretty intriguing. Then Maybe he's more like a Deontay Johnson type guy where he plays outside. He he gets like the eight out of a slot receiver, but he's still playing on the outside. And you've got Daniel Jones who, to Dale's point, you know wants to throw shorts. And now he's got a guy who can help him move the chains in Sterling Shepard. And he can also just throw short to Kadarius Toney. And he still has a deep threat in Kenny Galladay or Darius Slayton, whoever's healthy. So, uh, I actually think Shepard might be a good thing when he gets back
3: you you mentioned Pat the he can't keep getting away with the meme earlier. like that's just Joe judge encapsulated like and now he gets to scapegoat Freddie Kitchens if something goes wrong with the offense. like here is this man who is the he's that's why I was not hired. he's not the. Most important problem. It's obviously the Mara family who will never make a correct hire. Like it goes Dave Gettleman and then Joe Judge and then all everyone else they're scapegoating. But overall, I mean, the fact that Joe Judge keeps getting away with this and everyone blames, even the fans blame someone else, not Joe Judge. Like here is this coach who is not good, right? Like they're sitting. What do the Giants have? Three wins now. They got six wins last year, and he blamed the Eagles for tanking in Week 17. Bro, <laughs> just win more than six games. It's not that hard. You just do your job. That's it. It's well, just hang a on.
0: I think maybe Gettleman's the guy who can't keep getting away with it because you're blaming Joe Judson instead of Gettleman. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I would see that gone.
3: No, but it's, it is Gettleman and then Judge. And then the coordinators, like Jason Garrett, these problems they have still exist without Jason Garrett. Like if you think there's a a sharp betting bump now, oh, they got rid of Jason Garrett. All the Giants talent just magically appears. No. Like there's a reason why Daniel Jones is 47 of 96 passing in the red zone the past two years. It's not Jason Garrett. It's because Daniel Jones wasn't a good prospect. That's why it is. So there's just a... There's a Gettleman. whole lot of problems that go so far beyond hanging your head out a train window. It's just beyond capable of fixing whether <laughs> Jason Garrett is around or not. Just Jason quick. Garrett
4: was big red shirt Star Trek vibes whenever they hire him. Like, you know what, buddy, this is actually your uniform. He's like, that's not an official Giants uniform. They're like, no, it'll make sense eventually Do you, though.
2: Just real quick, the official can't keep getting away with the power rankings. It goes Daniel Jones, Jason Garrett, Joe Judge, Dave Gettleman, John Mara. And then, you know, all of us, we are all to blame. We Gentlemen Mara
4: feels low because they have a lot of autonomy in the situation. Daniel Jones can't help that he doesn't have, he has the pocket awareness of a goldfish.
2: And, and I'm going to end this segment on this. Dagle made a very important point, important point about Daniel Jones and Kenny Galladay earlier. That actually wasn't Jason Garrett's fault. That's just Daniel Jones. He does not throw down the field and never will. It's very hard
3: to sum this up it's very hard to find the eagles minus three or minus two and a half anymore i believe they're even at points bet minus three and a half or four but if you can if you have a loose book out there three is a good number
0: the broncos i wasn't making fun of jason garrett that much this year like this is honestly like maybe one of his best coaching performances
2: which is is saying a lot
0: what of garrett's bet it's not saying a lot it's It's not saying a lot at all
2: The Broncos come off by to host the Chargers as three-point home underdogs via points bet. Kyle, Justin Herbert has been very boomer bust this year. 32.4% of his fantasy points have come in two starts. What is it going to be this week against a Vic Fangio-led defense that has had two weeks to prepare?
4: Yeah, it does feel like a lesser spot for him, I would say. But ideally, we saw like Mike Williams get a little bit more on track last week, finally. I mean, he capped he the game with a really impressive— he was having a good game up until that point, caps it with a really nice touchdown, kind of wide open. I wouldn't say it was the greatest throw you've ever seen, in fact. But we got him back on track. I think the offense at least looked in a bit more of a rhythm. Now, could Vic Fangio's Denver defense, which did lose Von Miller, but now maybe getting Bradley Chubb back, I saw— I think they're probably a more difficult matchup, but with a quarterback as talented as Justin Herbert, even if he's up and down, is there someone on the waiver you're playing? I like Cam Newton. I'm still not taking Cam Newton over him. That's probably the bar you can set. You're still starting Justin Herbert. Albeit, do I think he's a top five quarterback? Do I think this game looks like an exciting shootout, which Pittsburgh turned out to be? No, I
0: don't think he's quite there. Does anyone have any context on why Williams ran around on 84% of dropbacks last week? We've seen this from him a few times over the season where he's more like, in the 80 to 85% range with Keenan Allen up close to 95%. And then, is there a reason for that? No. I mean, health. It, with
2: Mike Williams, he always has guests like some sort of weird health management type thing. Like, cause this is what I assume any Michael, Mike Williams snap shares about is like, that's what he was healthy for that week. But that's not Yeah. Enough to go on.
0: Cause this per route stuff has been better than uh, Allen's for most of the season. Allen has finally passed him, but I've always been trying to struggle. You know, I've been struggling a little bit with how much to give uh, Keenan Allen credit for You know, his per-game numbers are always quite a bit better than Mike Williams because Williams doesn't ever seem to run a full complement of routes.
4: Well, got to get Donald Parham out there to get some routes.
0: And I mean that <laughs> sincerely because I
4: love Donald I, Parham. We have I, no just see
3: the, I just see the 14.5% target share. Uh, and that's what I worry about. Like, it's not that high. Is it better than, you know, the past month stretch that Mike Williams had gone through? Sure, but still like not anything sexy that we get extremely excited about, especially when you look up and see that Keenan Allen still had uh, 32% of the team's targets as the team leader.
2: So still somewhat concerned about Michael Williams, but good to see a spike game. The Broncos, Jerry, Judy, or Cortland Sutton, pretty simple question. I mean, I know it's not... Either or with Tim Patrick, the recently extended Tim Patrick, Noah Fant, hopefully the healthiest he's been in a long time. But who who, who gets the rankings benefit, Jerry Judy or Corlin Sutton?
0: It has been either or since Judy's gotten back, and, and it's been Judy. Uh, that's who I would take it. Sutton's kind of disappeared since he's been back.
2: I was hoping you'd say Judy because I might uh, really need him.
4: Yeah, I think Judy's out-targeted Sutton in either that or tied him in every game they've played together so far. Hasn't been a ton of games, but uh, it's clear that Sutton's worst games have all come with Judy in the lineup. He just can't draw as many targets. not surprising. Judy is very good at garnering targets, which is a very important skill set. So I would say Judy kind of clearly to me too.
2: Any any Broncos receiver thoughts, Daigle, or is really is it as simple as that?
3: It's Jerry Judy. It has the significantly higher floor. We've also seen Sutton. Um, what is it now? Three targets per game, I believe, with Jerry Judy. And so I will just take the floor every single week. Also, Noah Fant's routes bumped back significantly. Um, a 20% dip with Alberto also in the lineup and 12 personnel. So still not extremely worried about Noah Fant, but his usage does change
2: whenever Alberto is healthy in the lineup. I think Noah Fant's unfortunately outside the top 12 at tight end right now. He's like top 15 or 16, but He's kind of in that really jumbled group from like the tight end 10 to 16 range where the Florida hasn't been high enough and there really has not been any spiked weeks.
1: I mean,
4: the Broncos are a middle of the road passing percentage offense. They've got a middle of the road quarterback, but they have elite weapons, which does make it difficult for him to have a 10, 11, 12 target game. So, yeah, I think when I finish my rankings, I'll finish him in a few hours after the show. He'll probably come in 13, 14, 15,
2: just where you said. Russell Wilson quarterbacking the Broncos next year, folks, maybe. Uh, Broncos backfield check in. Uh you big play Javante or is this because you know this the Chargers they finally shut down Najee Harris which was surprising but still to statistically the worst run defense in the NFL that's what I mean we're banking on
3: banking on here um I'll say the spiel on behalf of Corrine and hey. I'm not going to be wishing a higher role on him. that's what could happen you got to be careful here that's why I think it's better for DFS wherever you're starting Javante Williams in redraft you should continue doing so as a probable RB three or four but before we went out of the buy, we did see that fumble on fourth and one, the Eagles and Darius Slay ran back. That cost the Broncos the game. Um, Williams was outsnapped, he outsnapped Melvin Gordon from that point forward, 12 to 3. So you have to ask yourself, was that because it was negative game script and thus they had Javante Williams on the field more for passing downs, or was it because a slight role change? Also after the bye for a for a five and five team, a team that's trying to sneak in to the participation trophy playoffs of 2021, mm-hmm. they have a slight chance to do so. So if we're going to see a role change, I would think if it does happen, it happens after the bye.
4: Yeah, rookie I running backs by have historically seen their roles increase uh, and I've never wanted it to happen more in this case. So that that tells me nothing except that I will be incredibly disappointed if it doesn't happen. I
0: want this narrative completely retired if it doesn't happen here. I'm gonna I lose agree. it if we yeah, don't get if like if I, this doesn't happen, he's sixth in, in success uh, per attempt by NFL next gen. He's second in elusive rating, he's first in breakaway percentage. This guy's doing everything, everything you would want to make the bye week change. Then we get the fumble that Dagel just talked about. I mean, come on.
4: Where does straight he straight up in we are retiring paid, the narrative
0: though? if it doesn't happen? Where does he rank in seasons
4: play? Because Melvin Gordon has a pretty solid edge. Practice, Practices, practice.
2: He's way behind Melvin Gordon. I don't know if he can catch Wait. up. In crisis <laughs> like heading the into their edge. week 11, in crisis heading into their week 11 by points bet as the Rams coming out of the break as one point underdogs for their road trip to Green Bay. Patrick Rain, how do we expect this unit to look now that it's had an off week to process the loss of Robert Woods and the addition of uh, Oda Beckham? Well, that's the injury of Robert Woods. He is uh, still alive.
0: Yeah, uh, I think, you know, Odell Beckham, he ran around on 24% of dropbacks in his first game with the Rams. We're going to see that increase. Uh, but I, I'm, I guess, a little bit bearish on how much we see it increase because there's, you know, a, a, le- a literal learning curve that he needs to get up at this. You know, he doesn't have that much time to, uh, to get on the same page with Matthew Stafford to get the playbook under his belt. So, I'm kind of expecting him to be around like 50% route right here. Maybe he gets up to the Antonio Brown route rate of like around 65%, but I would probably take the under on that. You don't think it
3: increased significantly with 14 days off?
0: I think it'll increase significantly, but I mean, he could double and go to and still be under 50%. So, you know like there's a there's a lot i don't know i think we kind of always just underestimate like how long some of this stuff takes because we you know we're in like the fantasy mindset we're in like madden mindset you trade for the guy he plug him in you go yeah. but it does take time so uh, i would i would take the under on 65 i don't know if any of you guys would take the over on on his routes but it makes me a little interested in van jefferson um i think people are just going to assume that that beckham's the wide receiver two here this week uh jefferson ran a ton of routes uh, I believe 96% of routes before the buy. So I think he'll be out there a lot. Uh, and then, you know, Cooper cups, Cooper cup. He's still, to still do his thing. He has a 3.06 yards per route on this year, which is absolutely absurd. This is a metric that like, we're like 2.2 is awesome. <laughs> he's got 3.06. It's wild. So, uh, you know, Cooper cup still, still just absolutely crushing.
2: I might take the over on 65%, by the way, and Odell just solely based on the proving this is a good move perspective of the Rams. Like, Uh. listen, Odell didn't ruin the team. Look, he can already play 80% of the snaps. I know what you guys are talking about. It was a good trade. Um, But, yeah, it's very scientific.
3: Yeah, I'm sort of a belief of that. Either way, Van Jefferson, as you've talked about, still a strong wide receiver three or four in this matchup. We saw Jared Goff last year, like dink and dunk. That was the game plan on 27 throws against the Packers. And they were down two scores in the fourth quarter, came back, made it one score, even though those eight points still made it seem like insurmountable the way that offense was playing in the divisional round. And so uh, I expect them to be more fireworks, more points in this game, because they can use the entire field with Matthew Stafford, presumably healthy after getting those 14 days off. So just an overall game plan change we're expecting too
2: it was a relatively disappointing rb1 plug and play week for aj dylan in week 11 but 17 touches six receptions kyle Are we write back to the rb1 well with aj dylan assuming aaron jones does not make a surprise return this week
4: well aaron jones was back at practice and there was videos of him running routes he looked to move like as a normal running back would. So I can't guarantee that he's not back. I, like, I I don't know if I'd bet on him coming back, but it does seem like it'll be truly up to like game time or at least Friday or Saturday. So if Dylan does get the, you know, the RB one on his team role, he gets an RB one in real life role. It's just like you said, he's on like, 19 touches, uh, almost hundred yards from scrimmage. And that was in a game where he didn't find the end zone and his team ended up losing that game in a game where they actually win or even just like they can just establish the run a bit more or he finds the end zone, he just has so many outs to finding RB1 production and the targets, as you said, I believe he caught six passes in that game. So he just, he has so many outs to RB1 production because he plays on a good offense. He has a massive role. He catches passes that you, you're trusting him as an RB1, very obviously. Even if Aaron Jones is back, I'm not sure we get a hundred percent of Aaron Jones immediately coming back from a, a like coming back from injury that could have sidelined for this game if he does come back. You were starting AJ Dillon as like a RB3 4 flex when Aaron Jones was fully healthy. You can definitely start him as an RB3 when Aaron Jones comes back from an injury.
2: It'll probably be an RB2 this week if Aaron jo- even if Aaron Jones plays, right? I mean, I think AJ they would probably both be in the top 24 cuz it's hard to see how the guy just sprained his MCL. I have a hard time believing he could play, but if he's practicing on Wednesday, there's definitely a chance that Aaron Jones plays. Yeah, I think top 24
4: for both of them. I think their combined fantasy production makes them both top 24. It just depends on how you want to split it, especially with the red zone works. That's what makes these Packers back. So valuable. Uh, I would still be a little concerned that Dylan doesn't get the red zone work just because that's how Aaron Jones has made so much of his money. But yeah, I think two two of them, both of them in the top twenty four. I wouldn't have a real push up against that.
2: Well, listen, we're a we're a bucko six into this podcast. I think I'm witnessing something rare. You guys are starting to run out of things to say.
0: Um, well, I, I mean, I'll say something about Dylan. the The backfields overall, I think, a little bit suppressed because in our perception of it, we expected that Dylan was going to have this massive game. And Aaron Rodgers throws a seventy five yard touchdown on their final drive. Right, he throws these long touchdowns. Uh, he threw a ten-yarder to Devontae Adams. He threw uh, multiple. I think another one like twenty-eight yarder to Devontae Adams. So there was like there was no goal line work for AJ Dillon. You know they were extremely efficient when they got anywhere near the end zone. Uh, that that robs the backfield of high value touches. But it's not like Dillon was you know not getting them at, at the expense of like another running back or that he wasn't doing anything with them. You just you know, they're throwing yeah. long
2: touchdowns. Yeah, Kyle made an interesting point. There's so many ways for AJ Dillon to get home. Like it was so like it was really it was a real rarity in Week 11 for him to not get fully home as an RB, and he still provided you a usable day. i like, in
4: PPR, he had to have uh, at least 15 points. Right, he had six yeah. catches, 97 mm-hmm. yards from scrimmage. I think he's just so.
2: so many ways to get home as an RB. One, so he'll easily be top 10 again. I would say if Aaron Jones sits. The suddenly unstoppable San Francisco 49ers welcome Minnesota to Santa Clara as three-point underdogs via points bet. Dagle, how much are we believing in the 49ers' recent road paving, and what are our personnel expectations this weekend? Elijah Mitchell odds are suiting up. I mean, Kyle Shanahan's kind of a black box of injury info, but just what's the outlook for the 49ers in their ground game this weekend?
3: It's very clear that it's become Jeff Wilson as – a less explosive Elijah Mitchell if Elijah Mitchell's out. And then you ask, okay, well, let's say Elijah Mitchell plays. Uh, I would expect it to go back to what it was a couple weeks ago where Wilson gets mixed in, but he's not Elijah Mitchell. So Elijah Mitchell will still get 20-plus carries as the workhorse in this offense with Wilson just sprinkled in, more like Eno Benjamin, right, where you have to give touches to somebody else so he gets six to eight carries. That's the way I think this backfield works out. But just in – they become better with higher floors and just a better offense all around now, not only because we've seen over the last four games, uh, Garoppolo averaging a league high 10 yards per attempt from a clean pocket, which he's in, received an increased rate of because Kyle Shanahan up their shotgun rate. Um, they've now over, in that span running the 19th highest rate and 62% of their plays have come from shotgun. And thus It's giving all of them like more time, more targets underneath, more time to look for downfield targets to Ayuk. And then also the shift in Debo Samuel getting 10 snaps from the backfield as a true running back this past week. Those targets and routes that were going to Kyle Juszczyk now go to Debo Samuel, which have significantly higher ceiling. Nine touches, all nine of Debo's touches, even that 15-yard catch, were as a true running back this past week. So I think Debo has a higher floor. That also means he's removed as a wide receiver. And IUK now, the ceiling becomes higher with the floor also becoming higher as well. George Kittle, the first time in his career, scored touchdowns in back-to-back games and then decided to do that again with career in going back-to-back-to-back games. So you're also seeing him score touchdowns. So overall, like we have a lot of confidence in this 49ers offense going into a big matchup against the Vikings.
0: The Vikings stink against the run too. They're last they in EPL allowed per rush. So it just sets up perfectly for the 49ers to be able to do what they want to do. It's kind of the perfect opponent.
3: And we, we talked about it, uh, 50 yards, 58 total for Jeff Wilson, not good. But we said – The Jaguars front seven sneaky good against running backs all year long. Also, Jeff Wilson got open on that opening drive in the end zone for a touchdown and Garoppolo totally overthrew him. So like, I think there's going to be some flop lag here. Maybe people don't want to play Jeff Wilson, both in redraft and DFS when he's actually, for all the reasons crane just mentioned, he's an awesome play this week.
2: If Mitchell's out. Uh, Provocative statement is Debo Samuel. If uh, Curtis Samuel was an actually good receiver, He's getting that Curtis Samuel rushing usage. But I, like I like it. I like it. I mean, yeah. if yeah. Curtis Samuel was good, he would not be Debo
3: Samuel. Debo Samuel is a wide receiver one who is now st- even more of a wide receiver one since he's getting carries.
2: No offense to Curtis yeah, I mean, Samuel. A little offense.
0: I mentioned the absurd uh, yards per route run for Cooper Cup. Debo Samuel, even better, 3.25. I mean, mm-hmm. what, what are we doing here? That's too good, Debo. <laughs> Calm down. Yeah, calm down, man. That's just that's just weird <laughs> um, to be
2: that good at both. But do we have anything to say about the Vikings? I mean, I feel like the Vikings are the Vikings at this point. Justin Jefferson, he's good. Dalvin Cook, he's good. Adam Thielen, yeah, he's a little frustrating, but then he catches eight passes. Tyler Conklin's in the tight end, ten to fifteen zone. Do we do we have any illuminating things to say on the Minnesota Football Vikings? Now they are
4: one of the most cut-and-dry teams. They throw to two receivers. They're like what we always have wanted, like, in the past few weeks, the Seahawks to be, but they've been playing with Geno Smith, then bad Russell Wilson, I guess. I don't know. So, But they throw to two guys, and then, you know, they have a tight end or a receiver three. The Seahawks haven't really had that receiver three last year. It's like David Moore or whatever. But they have some guy who could randomly pop for a touchdown. You're, you're probably not playing that guy unless it's a showdown format or whatever, you know, the single-game formats. Tyler Conklin, he plays at a position where you love a touchdown and two catches – He's viable, but I I don't even think he's in the Dan Arnold Logan Thomas the, no. that type of tier. No one's
2: in the Dan Arnold tier.
0: <laughs> give Give Adam Thielen t- uh, tight end eligibility. That's what we need. That's Dude, how we fix it.
2: seriously, he'd be like, he's like the one true TJ Hawkinson. Like that's yeah. who TJ Hawkinson was supposed to be. Who Adam Thielen is. And exactly. I totally agree with that take. That's a really really good take. <laughs> that was the stat of the week. Yeah. That was the stat. Of the <laughs>
4: week. Give Adam Thielen tight end eligibility is the stat of the week.
0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
1: Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try on Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? (laughs) Yeah, really.
4: Well, the hunt just took a
1: turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details.
2: Get an edge in your fantasy league with player rankings, projections, tiers, and alerts for players on your team, or who you're eyeing up on the waiver wire by signing up for NBC Sports Edge Plus and do it at a discount. Use the promo code GOOD10 and get 10% off your annual subscription. That is GOOD10 for 10% off NBC Sports Edge Plus. In the sicko game of the week, points bet has the surging Houston Texans hosting the ever-struggling New York Jets as two-and-a-half-point home favorites. Kyle, the Jets are turning back to Zach Wilson with the COVID-19 list, claiming the unvaccinated Joe Flacco. How do we expect this to affect Elijah Moore coming off the best game of his young career?
4: Yeah, I I am concerned with the offense under Zach Wilson. I mean, Zach Wilson, by most measures, was if not the worst quarterback in the NFL, bottom two or three. He had the second lowest touchdown rate. He throws a ton of interceptions. He's just not good right now. I mean, he leads the NFL in interception. It's the only thing he's ever going to lead the NFL in this year. Oh, man. uh, (laughs) The offense was awful. The offense was just about Zachary. Yeah, (laughs) good point. (laughs) Come on, man. (laughs) <laughs> so there are a few stats you could lead the uh, NFL, <laughs> NFL in, in fact. Uh, none of them good, though. The thing is, we saw Josh Johnson. We saw Mike White. We even saw Joe Flacco all put up numbers on this team in some way or another. We haven't seen it from Zach Wilson, and I struggled. How could you possibly believe that we will? So I think all of these players, especially because they're – I still think it's possible that uh, one of the running backs catches a bunch of targets. One of the – I mean, we won't have uh, Michael Carter this week, but one of the running backs could one of the wide receivers that isn't Elijah Moore, if you were banking Elijah Moore, could see a bunch of targets because the target tree is in flux and it's going to be so suppressed because somehow this is the worst quarterback they can trot out. I, like, I don't even know if you start any of them. I probably wouldn't like what are he's playing like Tim Boyle. Oh no. Come
0: on. Here's a, here's an interesting little nugget though, is that uh, Corey Davis had a season high snaps in the slot last week and Jameson Crowder snaps were down overall. So Zach Wilson has had a pretty nice connection with Davis. I wonder if that helps him at all, you know, kind of playing a little bit of big slot mixed in with like the the downfield shots that Wilson likes to take to Corey Davis. So I'm I'm nervous about Elijah Moore. Uh I think he, you know, clearly broke out. He had a 3.0 yards per target with Zach Wilson this year. 3.0. I mean, they just couldn't connect on anything. And, you know, yards per target, we don't want to bet on that being sticky, but he's been 12.0 since Zach Wilson's out of the lineup. So there seems to have been an effect. Uh, I I think that Corey Davis would be the guy that I would bet on here, Uh, has shown the connection with Wilson and maybe getting a little bit of that big slot. I mean, about half his snaps last week were in the slot. So uh, that's pretty meaningful.
2: How can you have two receivers five foot ten or shorter, and they're the ones you're going to push to the boundary for Corey Davis in the slot? Like, is this Freddie Kitchens coordinating both <laughs> New York teams right now? But anyway, that would sorry, be so David. good. That would be amazing, actually. That would be awesome. Given be- his usage change on
3: the field, just in running around eighty-one percent of Blacko's dropbacks, the team's dropbacks last week as the number two receiver since Davis was bumped to the slot, I would still take Elijah Moore's ceiling over Corey Davis. Uh, Davis, the higher floor, but. Davis is never going to score 140 yards and two touchdowns with the Jets, whereas Elijah Moore shown he can do that on limited usage, even. So Fair. that's why I would take him. Um, having said that, last week, like. Or let's just go back to the fast five games for the Jets because they've been getting beaten because their defense, like Kyle mentioned, 7.3 yards per play and 40 points per game and five contests out of their bye. But it's not like the Texans offense are juggernauts. Uh, even last week, Houston was out game 420 yards to 190. They just won because Ryan Tannehill threw four picks. So overall, like while I still have, you know, I'm concerned, sure, about their wide receivers and offense, I think the Jets win this one outright because the Texans are the worst team.
2: Well, hey, someone's forgetting that Rex Burkhead was established last week. This is really, <laughs> <was established>. really <laughs> offensive. And before bad. we get to the juggernaut Texans, I mean, who, who, someone uh, di- diagnosed Ty Johnson versus Tevin Coleman. See, unfortunately, Michael Carter is purely – has he already been ruled out ankle injury? Yeah, he's out like
4: two to three weeks okay, uh, yeah, uh, boy, per shaft there.
2: That's a real, real shame. Um, so yeah. Michael Carter not playing – is it Ty Johnson comfortably ahead of Tevin Coleman or is my arch enemy Tevin Coleman going to make this a dog fight?
0: Coleman played 28% of snaps to 6% for Ty Johnson last week. So, no. Oh. No, Wait, they're going to play Tevin Coleman a hold bunch. On. All right. It's going to be bad.
4: Yeah, Crane didn't uh, Tevin Coleman out carry Ty Johnson, too? Like, I I think it's clear Tevin Coleman is the... They'll probably split the backfield between a, a clear... Instead of having Michael Carter play all three downs, and then they somehow sneak in extra downs. Like, they just used the running backs a lot when they had Michael Carter, Ty Johnson... I don't think it's that much because I think Michael Carter's talent probably drove some of that usage and Tevin Coleman is not a Michael Carter talent, but Tevin Coleman will get the obligatory tech, like between the tackles, boring carries that aren't high value. And they're especially not high value with Zach Wilson under center. So I think if you want to start one from a fantasy perspective, the best you can do is four catches from Ty Johnson, but Ty Johnson is not like, it's very unlikely to see double digit carries. I think yeah. one of those guys is it's Tevin Coleman for sure.
0: That That's exactly right. I think Coleman Coleman has had, he's running back 56 in elusive rating. That's supposed to be the, like the thing he does is that yeah. he's, he's the rusher. He's running back 53 in yards per hour. And so he, he holds up his end of the bargain on being terrible as a receiver. Uh, but then you go to Ty Johnson. He's not great as a rusher either. He ranks running back 39 in elusive rating, but he's running back 13 in yards per hour. And he's actually a pretty good receiver. So that's you know that's the way you play it, but it's gonna be frustrating because you're not gonna get as much work from Ty Johnson as you should, and so you're just hoping that uh, you know Daigle's wrong. The Jets don't win this game outright. <laughs> the, the the Texans put him on it, put it on the Jets, and and they have to throw a bunch to uh, to the running back.
2: My optimistic take, based on nothing, by the way. Tevin Coleman's role is the same no matter what every week. That's just the Tevin Coleman role. And the other people uh, eat whatever remains in the pot. Just like you
3: played David Johnson over Rex Burkhead because targets are more valuable. David Johnson, 100%, all four of the team's backfield targets. So Rex Burkhead, even though he got 18 carries, that's how Johnson outscored him you play Ty Johnson over Tevin Coleman. Coleman hasn't recorded more than two receptions in any game since week 11 of 2019. He doesn't earn targets. He doesn't earn catches. Whereas Ty Johnson has already proven he He was an RB two in three games with Mike White behind Michael Carter, who also succeeded because he can earn targets. So you play Ty Johnson over Tevin as the worst evil.
0: That's right.
3: Does anyone less than evil? That's what we're going for. I knew I had a Chris Sim slip up there.
2: And you, you, your feed froze too, so I thought maybe you had just gone into full meltdown mode. There, yeah. uh, are we not? Are we st- streaming Tyrod Taylor? You got a little Jalen Hurts action going last week: six carries, two touchdowns, not much passing. It is the New York Jets it's Tyrod Taylor? DFS too. I mean, DFS tournament, Tyrod Taylor, he's not cash, right? And don't tell me that.
3: And 13 carries in his three full starts. uh, You would stream him because of the Jets defense. That would be your reason. And then you plug him in if you need him for the high rushing floor. That's it.
0: Yeah. The Jets are so bad against the run, but they're even worse against the pass. So you could, to me, I mean, maybe you, you take a stab on like a Brandon cooks or something, you know, Tyrod Taylor. I don't know if you're, I mean, I don't play cash, and if you play Tyra Taylor in Cash this week, like that that would be exactly why I don't play cash.
2: Who is the cash quarterback this week, by the way, Diggle, Kyle? I mean, you're asking me um, to look
0: ahead past the Thanksgiving yeah,
2: slate. Right. I don't know. We, got, right, we gotta get a three-game
3: slate sorted before we sort out.
2: <laughs> that makes, that
3: it's that not be- Tyra Taylor. I can tell you it's not Tyra Taylor. If you want to know who by the it's way not, out- I will go ahead and use this time to say that DFS show, if you're watching this a couple hours after this, it'll be available on replay Thursday morning before you go get annoyed by your family as well. Cause we're recording it Wednesday at 6 PM Eastern for Thanksgiving, but I will be out with an article overnight, Friday, Saturday morning, um, talking about like leverage options and everything for the slate on Sunday.
0: And the walkthrough is already out for Thanksgiving, which goes very deep this week. I went into all the flyers into the Noah Browns of the world. So I got you, got you covered on those write-ups as well. Oh, baby. Finally,
2: PointsBet has the Washington football team hosting the dispiriting Seattle Seahawks' as one-point road underdogs for Monday Night Football. Crane, I don't really know what to ask about this other than, like, what is going on with the Seahawks. Is this just true end-of-an-era stuff? Is it just everyone hates each other now? No one – this team's not going to gel. What is going on with the Seahawks?
0: I mean, I hope so, right? That's what we want. (laughs) We want this to end because this is – it's, it's not good. Uh, if you look at kind of, you know, I go and I, I look at some of the stuff that these various teams are doing. Washington has been an example for me all year where you go and you look at like, how are they handling having Taylor get quarterback? And they're doing all the things, you know, they're, they're passing in a neutral situation. They're passing on first down. You look at Seattle, they don't do any of the things. They run heavy on first down. They're just 15th in play action rate. They barely use motion. They've used uh, RPOs at a fraction of the rate of the Cardinals, the Chiefs, the Bills. So they're just like – they're not they're not maximizing Wilson in any way. Now, I know Wilson has not played as well at, at points as we're used to. He dealt with the injury. But he's still quarterback two on the season in completion percentage over expected between Kyler Murray and Mac Jones. He's actually been quite accurate. That's his calling card. He's always super accurate. It, it hasn't been Russ's best season, but – the issue here is the coaching not maximizing him really or attempting to maximize him, I think, in any way. Break it up, put him somewhere else for the love of God. <laughs>
3: Seahawks <laughs> averaging four fewer plays per game than the next closest team, the Texans. Seahawks are literally that less fast paced. Also, now with Russ back. One TD total on offense on 19 possessions in the last two games. Russ zero touchdowns on those 19 possessions. So it's just truly a disaster right now.
2: Are we playing DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett though? I mean, right? We're still. I mean, obviously, we're still playing
0: DK. Metcalf, yeah, we are.
2: But they're both still top 24. Like we're. I not- going to say. I, I think. Almost
4: obviously you're still playing Tyler Lockett. They are separated by one target this year, but Lockett actually pushes the ball farther down the field, has a higher target share, weighted opportunity rating, therefore also higher. The only thing that you do swing back in the favor of Metcalf is he has both more red zone and more end zone targets because they can use him to push the field and they obviously use his massive frame and physical dominance in the red zone. But like, I think if you ranked, I wouldn't even have a problem ranking Tyler Lockett over DK Metcalf if he's going to see the same amount of targets farther down the
2: field. I know it's not as fun. I know. This is a slump-busting matchup, by the way. At least in theory, the football team hemorrhaged passing production even before the Oh, was this young. is
3: Pat. This is your Monday night DFS slate. Like this showdown writes itself. Everyone goes Antonio Gibson, the demise of the Seahawks. You double stack Russ and bring back McKissick. It's like just the perfect DFS Bros game.
0: <laughs> who's in it's the It's actually kind of a shame that this is on. This is uh, Oga Thomas the showdown. <laughs> you got to have the tight end there. Yeah?
3: <laughs> is is he playing?
0: I don't know. We don't know like who's in, in the captain
2: spot. Who's who's it sounds in Sounds like cap- he might. Who's in the captain spot? Again, Tyler Lockett,
4: because everyone wants. We got to play figure their out third We
2: got we got a lot of work to I do. I mean, if if we
0: have a chance back. to go, John Bates, captain, I might play showdown for the first
2: time. <laughs> time. <laughs> I think Will Disley in the captain spot. Oh uh, boy, the football team. I mean, they're doing. They're trying. I feel like they're trying to do the Eagles thing now. It was my impression of the football team last week, where they're going to try this forty rush, two hundred yard rushing thing. Anyone else sensing this? Antonio Gibson, top twenty running back again. Who's got some football team thoughts? Gibson just forty three carries
3: the past two games, like you said, literally pounding them. Uh, two short touchdowns against the Bucks two weeks ago, and then this past week, still just a run at nineteen times. Um, as they have been a you know somewhat efficient offense in that span. Taylor Heineke also pretty much only throwing to Terry McLaurin, also mixing in uh, twenty two rushing yards per game, twenty seven rushing yards per game, and his last two as well. So. Overall, you at least know where the ball's going to. J.D. McKissick hasn't been used in the past two weeks because they haven't need to. GameScript hasn't decided it. So if GameScript does decide it, like that's when you get a McKissick game. Otherwise, yeah, it's Gibson who is very clearly at least healthy right now. His role's not changing, but he's healthy.
2: I think the Eagles and or excuse me, I think the football team and the Texans are both trying to be like this generation's Philadelphia Eagles and to start running 45 times a game mid-season. That's my sneaking down the stretch suspicion for Washington.
3: The Eagles are built to do that, though. I mean, they paid offensive linemen, they drafted early offensive linemen. Washington uh, like was cutting guys. They have injured guys. They're not. They're not no. built to do
2: this. Houston's offensive line, they're built to do it. I mean, there's one thing I know about the Texans is that they got superstars at every spot on that offensive line. That's why they're running Rex Burkhead <laughs> and David Johnson for yeah. less yards per carry.
0: Yeah. I'm making, like, the Texans are a favorite this week. Could you, like, they're 2-8. and eight. They're, Could you make, it's to ridiculous. imagine it's ridiculous. an underdog to the 2-8 and eight Texans? That's just so yeah, that's,
2: that's, that's a gut check moment for Robert
0: Solomon. Yeah, let's put it that way.
2: Well, I think I might as well end the show if I'm making triple-level sarcastic comments about the Texans' offensive line from a game we talked about like 20 minutes ago. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. We're still going to have all of our stuff on the site. What do we have on the site, folks? Uh, Beginning with Daigle. Building blocks, Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern. Replay available
3: up until the Thanksgiving game, so watch it before then. And then article on Friday night after injury reports that I will update on Saturday afternoon as well for the Sunday DFS slate.
2: Great. We got the Thanksgiving Thanksgiving walkthrough. Most people are, might hear this after that, but then the normal Friday Rock walkthrough, of course, dropping Friday morning. Correct.
0: That's correct. Yeah. Uh, morning. We'll, we'll see about morning.
2: We'll see. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's what we're aiming for.
0: <laughs> it will uh, it will drop Friday.
2: You'll get back to me on that. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So check it all out, Kyle. you got anything? Uh, this is kind of we're canceling your chat this week, aren't we?
4: I um, took your chat. I took your chat on Friday at noon. Someone asked me to do it, and I was like, you know, that'll be really? right when I get up. I'll have a, I took, I took it two hours early because I was like, you know what? I'll probably get up at 11, slump into the, slump into the chair, ask me anything you want uh don't make them too hard because i'll probably
2: be sorry i, I didn't know that they had uh sought you out uh but yeah, i'm having my second thanksgiving that time well, that's because
4: my cool. chat was replaced as well we had two okay. chats that uh had to get scrapped wednesday because we replaced it with building blocks and yours because you don't love nbc as much as i do is my <laughs> understanding good. of it so <laughs> uh so player props and dfs value finder comes out saturday morning and i stole your chat moved it back to noon on friday
2: well, that's really good news that we're still having a Friday chat. I thought we weren't. Uh, I will be updating the rankings all weekend. They are dropping Wednesday night, so they will be out by the time you hear this for Patrick Crane, for John Daigle, for Kyle Dvorak. I'm Patrick Darty. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you so much for joining us.
5: With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team. And 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com Active Cash.
0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh,